Good morning again, Life Center. It's so good to be with you here today. Hey, if we haven't met yet, my name is Garrett. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, man, can I just say what an honor, what a privilege it is to be with y'all here this morning. Uh, so thrilled that you're with us today. I hope that you had a good Thanksgiving. I hope that you ate way too much turkey and way too much stuffing. I hope you watched way too much football. I hope you talked a lot of smack to your Cougar friends last night when the Huskies put up 51 points in Pullman. Praise God Almighty. Come on. I was having a great time. I don't know what y'all, I, I, was, I was having the time of my life. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled that you're here with us today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn them to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We'll get there in just a few minutes. Uh, we are continuing today our series entitled, What the World Needs Now. And I hope that you've enjoyed this series. Uh, I have a confession to make to you this morning. Uh, what the World Needs Now is the title of our series. Uh, and over the last few weeks, we've begun each of our messages by humming this little jingle. And maybe you've heard it. Can I make a confession to you today? I've never heard that song before in my life. I have no idea what any of you are talking about when you hum that little jingle. I remember a few months ago, our teaching staff got together and we're, we're studying the scripture and we're praying and we're, Lord, what are we going to call this series? I've got, we'll call it what the world needs now. And Pastor Tyler's like, yeah, come on, Garrett, you know the song? And I'm like, is it country? He's like, no, 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 no. And he hums it. I'm like, yeah, I got, I got nothing. And pa Pastor Tyler Schaefer from our Rainier campus is like, no, 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 you know it. It's the one, the, 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 the thing. And I'm like, Bro, I got, I got nothing for you right now. And Pastor Jeff just has this incredulous look on our face from our, our North, Camp, North Tacoma campus. He's like, how do you not know this song? I'm like, I, bro, I'm 33. I grew up in a totally different era of music. I have no idea what song you guys are talking about. Nonetheless, today we're continuing our series entitled, What the World Needs Now. Uh, I hope that this has been good for you. I, I hope the last couple weeks you've, you've been able to grab hold of something that is applicable to your life. Uh, we've kind of tried to answer that question or fill in the blank here. Maybe, uh, maybe you, you know what we've been talking about. What the world needs now is it's love. Yeah, that's what the world desperately needs now. It's, it's what it needed then. It's, it's what it still needs today. Maybe you were with us week one, Pastor Tyler kicked off this collection of teachings by giving an incredible word entitled, The Better Way. Maybe you, like me, show of hands, this weekend you found yourself up on a ladder hanging up Christmas lights, angrily muttering to yourself, there's got to be a better way. I hope you joined us last week. Pastor Eric Bowles and his daughter Madison shared a phenomenal testimony about her battle with cancer, lupus, and anemia. She's fighting these things all at once. And, and we looked at what it means to praise your way through hard times, paralleling her story with the story that we read in Scripture in the book of 2 Chronicles, where the nation of Israel is up against three enemies at the same time. It's a powerful story. But today what I want to do is, is I want to talk to you about a character quality that I recognize may step on some toes. And so let me just be, be clear, it is never my intent to just needlessly set you off, but I understand that the nature of our conversation today is going to require me to carry a lantern through a lumberyard. Now catch this, my, my, my commitment to you is, look, I will do my best to not needlessly or recklessly just set something ablaze in your well-being, 
But understand this, that when we open up the Scripture, when we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit, and we allow Him to shine light on some dark places in our life, it's kind of surprising what we sometimes find there. Not only that, but but if you, like me, listen, if if we have said yes to life on Jesus' terms, then He has every right to subject us to a refining fire to burn away some of the things that don't need to be there. So my pledge to you today is I will tread lightly, but, but I would even invite you right now to just exhale. And to adopt a posture that simply says, God, speak to me. Bring to mind the things that I need to be aware of in order to become who you want me to be. The 1 Corinthians 13, this is a popular text. I'm sure that you've heard it before. You're probably quite familiar with it. Maybe you've seen a cute sign at Hobby Lobby that has a statement from this passage of Scripture. Maybe you took one of the phrases here and you tattooed it on your forearm in cursive because you just thought that would look so darling. But we, we've all probably heard this text at some point or another. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, you, you've probably heard this before. No matter where you're at in your faith journey. But, but today, let me give you some context before we dive in. Let me give you some context on this letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. See, unfortunately, if we're not careful, sometimes we just pick up the Bible, we, we dive right in, and, and we miss what the author's intent was because we don't know the backdrop of what was taking place when these words were written. And, and if we do that, sometimes we can, we can pick up some funny things from the text that really were, were never actually uh, implied there. And, and many of us, unfortunately, fail to see that there were some specific problems that Paul was a- attempting to deal with in the church in Corinth. And here's a few of them. We see these earlier in in the book of Corinthians. The first was this. He's writing to correct the problem of the abuse of spiritual gifts. There are these gifts, these supernatural abilities that the Holy Spirit has given to the believers so that they could edify, build one another up, and bring glory to God. That is the mission of the church, to build one another up and to bring glory to God. But, But people were beginning to abuse their spiritual gifts. Because of this, all of a sudden now there was division in the church. People are segregated from one another. There are factions. There were different groups. And now because of of these different groups, all of a sudden envy was taking place. They were envious of spiritual gifts that someone else had. There was a a hierarchy, a class system that all of a sudden was getting created in the church in Corinth. Along with this, we saw rampant selfishness all throughout the, the, the church in Corinth. In fact, Paul has to write to the believers to tell them to stop suing one another. They're filing lawsuits against each other. It's crazy. The believers had grown impatient with one another in the public gatherings. Now, we have a public gathering space at our fingertips nowadays where we can get all kinds of impatient with one another. And then finally, Paul just writes to address just some general behaviors that are disgracing to the Lord. And so catch this, for all of our rhetoric on what love is and the masterpiece of romantic love that we often make 1 Corinthians 13 out to be, catch this, there's a very specific problem that Paul is trying to address here. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't read Corinthians 13 at every wedding that we attend. Certainly every ceremony that I have the honor to perform, we read Corinthians 13. It's a great blueprint of how to love another person. 
However, what, what this does mean is, is this. It does mean that we need to be mindful of the fact that Paul wasn't just writing some how-to guide of, of, of how to make it to the final round of The Bachelor, okay? Paul's trying to do something more than this. Paul is dealing with a pervasive and perverse problem that we see infecting the church even now some 2,000 years later. And so with that in mind, let's look to the text together. 1 Corinthians 13. It'll be up on the Bible in the sky too. You can read along with me. It says this, Paul writes these words, If I speak in human or angelic tongues, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong, or clanging cymbal. Maybe you remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Tyler standing right here, just wailing on that China cymbal. Man, what a noise that was. It sounded awful. Paul says, if I could speak in human or angelic tongues, but I don't have love, I'm just noise. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy, if I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith, Faith that could move mountains, but I don't have love. Come on, say this with me. I am nothing. He says this in verse 3. He says, if I give away all of my possessions. Remember when Christ challenges a man to do this? In the gospel accounts, a a rich young man approaches Jesus, says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And, And Jesus says, well, you know the law. And the young man says, yes, and I've kept the law ever since I was a boy. And Jesus says, that's wonderful. Then there's one thing you lack. Take all your possessions, go sell them to the poor, and then come follow me. And the young man leaves distraught because he couldn't part ways with his earthly possessions. Paul here is saying, even if I got that right, Even if I gave away all of my possessions, even if I give over my body in order to boast. This is Paul writing, the same person whose body was beaten multiple times, the same man who gets shipwrecked, the same man whose friends and teammates in ministry had been martyred and put to death for their faith. Paul says, even if I can do all of that, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Then he goes on to say this. He says, love is patient. Maybe you remember last week, Madison Bowles, this was incredible. And when talking about this this exercise of patience, waiting on the Lord for him to do the miraculous, she talked about how you have to treat that waiting period not as a waiting room, but as a dressing room. The Lord is preparing something inside of you in that waiting. Love is patient. Love, Paul says, is kind. And now Paul shifts from what love is to what it isn't. For me, it's helpful to think about these next seven statements as an unpacking of of what he means by love is, is kind. He says this, love does not envy. Love is not boastful. It it is not arrogant. It's funny, it's like he reiterates that same idea. Remember, there's a specific problem he's trying to get at in the church here. He says this in verse 5, and this is where we're really going to hone in today and and spend the majority of our time. He says, love is not rude. Love is not self-seeking. I'm carrying that lantern as carefully as I can, but he says this, love is not irritable. And love, look at this, love does not keep a record of wrongs. 
And Paul will go on, he'll say a little bit more about what love is, how it functions. We'll cover that in the weeks ahead. But for right now, I want to skip ahead to verse 11, where Paul summarizes a lot of what he said by making this statement. He says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, and ladies, go ahead and insert yourself here. When, when I became a woman... When I became a man, I put aside childish things. The title of my message today is Act Your Age. Nudge the person next to you and say, Act Your Age. Now nudge that person back and say, Act Your Age. Say, I am. My back hurts so bad right now. You didn't see my knees in the parking lot on the way in. I'm, I'm acting my age today, let me tell you. Here's what the world needs now. The world now, the world needs love. Desperately, the world is in need of people who will show love. But here's what the world doesn't need now. You know what the world doesn't need now? It doesn't need more rude, irritable, self-seeking behavior. It doesn't need more childish behavior. What the world definitely doesn't need now is immaturity. Now let's just go ahead, let's, let's rip the band-aid here, because here's the music I did grow up listening to. I grew up listening to a lot of those clanging cymbals, really, really fast drums, songs about prank phone calls, having fun at other people's expenses. This is what I listened to growing up, just this immature noise. Not only that, I, I grew up watching TV shows where Johnny Knoxville and a bunch of other caffeine-induced 20-somethings would dare each other to do these ridiculously immature stunts. Hey, we're going to tape you to a bull and light its tail on fire. Oh, you know what we're going to We're going to play tetherball with a beehive. Sounds great. Not only that, as, as I grew up, as I got into my 20s and I should have started the maturing process, you know what I started doing? I started working in student ministry. Which meant I just went right back to hanging out with 14-year-olds all day. It was great. In fact, part of me has really never graduated beyond just being 14 between the years. It's crazy. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you. This, this is kind of fun. Uh, last, last Sunday night, some of our pastors got together. We got to go hang out with our, our Life Center student ministry. We got to hang out for the evening and serve them Thanksgiving meals. Uh, can I tell you, before uh, the gathering that night, we got to play cornhole and gaga ball. I crushed those seventh graders. <laughs> They had no idea who this old guy was. Ooh, Baldy, watch this, son. Man, I tell you what, like there's a part of me that just never made it past 14. Now, now, now I hope, I hope that the satire does not throw you off too far here. Look, here's the truth. We all have bits and pieces from our adolescence that we remember fondly. There was a day where 20 bucks would buy me and my best buddies tickets to a movie a large pepperoni pizza, and a liter of Mountain Dew. Can I tell you that these were the glory days? Because no matter how much of that pizza I ate, how much of that Mountain Dew I drank, and no matter how late I stayed up playing Goldeneye or watching movies, I would sleep like a baby that night, and I'd wake up the next day ready to go. Those days are long gone. <laughs> For all of us, there are things about our childhood that were good and fun. Now for some, surely there were things about our childhood that were brutal and were unfair. Today I want to talk about the things from our childhood that, that, that they're not 
good. It's not that we remember them fondly. It's, it's not necessarily the things that were outside of our control that were bad. Today, I just simply want to talk about the things from our childhood that just need to be set aside so that we can mature in faith. Today, what I want to impress upon you is that what the world is in desperate need of now is people who will respond to Paul's challenge all those years ago. That you and I would move beyond this me-centric, me-focused reality, and we would learn how to place value, worth, honor, and respect on something or someone other than ourselves. Here is what the world needs now. The world needs you to love beyond yourself. That's what the world needs now. It needs you to love beyond yourself. Remember what the text said, verse 4 and verse 5 of that same chapter. Love does not envy. It is not boastful. Love is not arrogant. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not irritable. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. Gosh, how easy is it for us to wander through life behaving like a frustrated child on the playground? Somebody else has what we want, and so we yank it away. Fine! Now again, I, I, I know that for some, there is pain associated with that stage of life. You might not have had the best example of godly or just plain decent values growing up. And so for you, this conversation is especially tough because you have witnessed firsthand the chaos, the wreckage, and the fallout that comes from a home environment that seems to embody everything opposite of what Paul talks about here. For some of you, I get it, no one stood up for you, and so you had to stand up for yourself. And hey, if, if that's you here today, can, can I just, can I give you space to process through that? In fact, let, let me just give you permission to be where you're at today and say, I get it. Because for some of you, here's, here's how your story went. Someone else had something that you wanted. You know what that something else was? It was peace at the dinner table. It was a stable home environment. It was a parent that said that they loved their kids and was proud of them. Of course you grew to envy that. And for others of you, you had to fight and scratch and claw for every little thing because nothing was ever handed to you. Who wouldn't be a little bit boastful? Who wouldn't have a little, a little swag in their step? Be a little bit arrogant? You had to overcome incredible odds to make it happen. You know, maybe, maybe for some of you, maybe there are some folks that just feel like you're a little bit short-tempered and rude, and maybe sometimes you come across as kind of hostile. But if they were taken advantage of the way that you were, they might not be so soft-spoken, so pleasant, or so passive. Hey, for some of you, here's your story. You had to be self-seeking because nobody else was prioritizing your best interest. Maybe growing up, you had to keep a record of wrongs because self-preservation identifies familiarity with potentially harmful individuals or environments and forms subconscious responses to things that might damage your well-being. And that's why some of you can't trust a man. And that's why some of you can't trust a woman. It's why most of us flinch when a bee flies near our face because we were hurt once before and we don't want to be hurt again. This is hard for all of us. 
Because what Paul is inviting us to do here feels tremendously reckless. Putting aside certain childish things feels dismissive to every learned behavior or programmed response that Darwin, God, or whomever you feel is to blame has hardwired inside of our psyche. This invitation that Paul makes to prioritize another above yourself feels irresponsible if you believe in natural selection. This is the antithesis of survival of the fittest. Why on earth would any sane, rational person choose to answer the call that Paul is making here? Here's what I believe with all of my heart. Because I've seen it to be true in my life and I've seen it to be true in the lives of my friends. When we put aside childish things, when we act our age, when we love beyond ourself, there are a few things that happen. And the first one is, is this. When you choose to love beyond yourself, loneliness loosens its grip. Loneliness loosens its grip. I love the way that Pastor Eugene Peterson captured the intent of this statement in the book of Proverbs. Pastor Eugene paraphrased these words. He says this, Proverbs eleven twenty five: The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Catch the generosity there. Look at the second half of this statement. I love that he substituted in this word, those who help others are helped. And we'll talk about what that looks like in just a moment, but but have you ever noticed how generous people are never lonely? I get it. Times are tough. Not in this economy. Some of us have have had to tighten our budget a little bit. Some of us, we, we had some margin that we had created to be a blessing to others. But because of the way that the markets have gone, this and that, we've we've had to tighten things up a little bit. We don't have as many means to to be a blessing, to be generous to somebody else. What's wild to me, see, see, I have some friends that God has just been very good to. Now, to be fair, they they work hard. They practice biblical principles for financial stewardship. And so, of course, God is faithful. Certainly, he would deal favorably with them because they've been obedient. But, oh my gosh, the cars that they drive, the trips that they take, the houses they live in, it's wild to me. Here's what's even more crazy, though, is the way that some of these same friends have chosen to remain open-handed with their love and their resources. The way that some of these friends choose to open up their home and share their life. They they give gifts. They cover the cost of meals. They do things that they don't have to do. And as a result, people just want to be around them. Now, look, you can say that that's tacky or cheap. There's a nuance here. I'm not saying that you can buy friendships. I'm not making a point about money. I'm talking about a heart attitude. I'm talking about a posture that says, with whatever resource has been entrusted into my hands, I'm going to use it to love beyond myself. And in doing so, I'm going to invite somebody else in so that loneliness loses its grip on my life. When we say that love isn't self-seeking, we aren't saying that we don't make good decisions for ourselves. We still make good decisions for our financial, our mental, and our physical health. Nobody here is advocating for you to disregard healthy boundaries. But if you're here and the last four days were a nightmare for you, and the next four weeks of this holiday season you are just dreading because loneliness is lurking somewhere in the shadows, today could I invite you to just draw that thing out into the light? What would it look like for you 
to love beyond yourself, and in doing so, to win over a friend. Here's what I found. When I love beyond myself, I'm never lonely. Now, it might make you tired. It might be a little bit inconvenient. For those of you that you're you're planners and you like to stick to a plan, it might mean that you have to adjust your plans. Certainly, to love beyond yourself, it will cost you something. Maybe your time, maybe your energy, maybe some other type of of resource. It will cost you something, but it will gain you someone. And in the end, that, friends, is worth it. When we love beyond ourselves, loneliness loosens its grip. Next we see this. When we love beyond ourselves, there's another beautiful thing that happens where love lightens the load. Love lightens the load. Alex, you can bring that stuff out. Here's the truth for each of us. There are things in life, maybe you recall this teaching that Pastor Tyler had done several months ago. There are certain things in life that you and I are invited to, we are commanded to wear. We put on a belt of truth, a breastplate of righteousness, shoes of of peace. We place on a helmet of salvation. There's certain armor and equipment that God has, has given us to wear. And the reason that we wear these things is because there are some things in life we're called to wear, and there are some things in life we're called to bear. There's just some things in life that we have to carry. Each of us has different responsibilities. You know, perhaps you have a responsibility. uh, Maybe you're a parent. And maybe you have young people that that you are responsible for their well-being. Or perhaps you're a a business person. And so maybe there are some people that, that they look up to you to make good decisions so that they can be provided for as well. Each of us has some different responsibilities. And what we have to do is day in and day out, we've got to wake up, we've got to look ourselves in the mirror, and we've got to find some internal strength to pick that thing up. And here's the truth. Because you are a capable individual, because of the way that God made you fearfully and wonderfully, there are some things that you can pick up that, you know what, it it might crush somebody else, but for you, that's pretty light. You know, I, I can wake up, I can do this. In fact, I can't just wake up one day and do this. I can do it again, and I can do it again, and I can do it again. Man, I could do this all day because God made me capable of doing it, and I've put in the work. And so this responsibility, this burden, you know what? It's it's manageable for me. I can do it again and again and again. But then this funny thing happens in life where those normal responsibilities, we just up the difficulty just a hair. Maybe it goes like this. Maybe... uh, I don't know, maybe you didn't sleep well the night before. And so now all of a sudden that kid that you're providing for who's asking you for a bottle or a waffle or for their attention, whatever it is that they're asking for, now all of a sudden it's, it's a little more difficult not to be a bit rude and a bit irritable. Maybe one of those people at that place that you work, maybe they've got a problem and all of a sudden you're, you're a little more out of breath. You're a little more tired to deal with that. But again, because God has made you capable and because you've put in the work, you know what, there are some lifts, there are some loads that, you know what, you can, you can still lift it. Oh, yeah. It might be a little bit more difficult. It might be a little bit more hard, but you can pick that thing up. And you, because you're strong, because you're capable, you can do it again and again and again. And you can do that for a period of time. You can be stretched beyond that comfortable limit. But life is so, so funny sometimes. See, because then all of a sudden that kid 
that you love and you care for that you're kind of tired of dealing with, well, all of a sudden they're having trouble at school. Maybe all of a sudden that job that you were, were working, that enterprise that you started, something went wrong and, and now you're out of a job. What are you going to do? Because now all of a sudden this load that you had to carry, well, now it's quite heavy. What are you going to do? Man, I'm out of breath. I should not have had so much turkey and stuffing. <laughs> and so maybe you wake up in the morning and you look at what you now have to carry this increased load in life, and you go, Lord, I, I believe that you can get me through this. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to do my best with this. And so doggone it, Lord, help. Oh, yeah. And you can do it. Yeah, you, can. you can pick it up and you can carry it job, because he strengthens you. Oh, yeah. But this is where life is horrible. See, because now all of a sudden, not only are you dealing with something at work, but but now you get a diagnosis from the doctor. And now all of a sudden you're already tired. You're already at the end of your rope. You already had a hard time just waking up and, and dealing with this once. Or maybe now all of a sudden it's not just that your kid is having problems at school, but now, now maybe that aging parent of yours is having a tough time. And you honestly don't know how on earth you'll be able to wake up and lift that thing. Guys, I've been going all morning. This is like the third time I've done this. You got to bear with me. It's an illustration. Tomorrow, 530, I'll be, okay. Here's what has to happen. Somewhere in life, we all reach our breaking point. Maybe it's 405 pounds. Maybe for you, it's something well beyond that. I don't know where it is. But inevitably, we all reach this breaking point where I don't know if I can do this on my own. This is why it's important to love beyond yourself. Thank you, Mike. I love you so much. And this is where you've got to invite another brother in. This is where you've got to have a brother or sister in your corner. Remember that promise in Proverbs, those who help others, then they receive help. Friend, you never get to this place if you didn't make it a point to bless somebody else however you could. And it creates a situation where now you can say to a brother, hey, I've, I've got this thing I've got to carry. And you know what, maybe you knew about it, maybe I had confided in you, or maybe you had no idea that I had been carrying this with me every day, but I need your help. Will you help me? We'll do my best. Here we go. And so you and your brother, you, you link arms. You learn how to bear one another's burden. And then three, two, one, go. You can do it. Set it down. What's crazy is that, that when you call the right person, you can't just get up with it one time, but you can get three, two, one, go. And you can do it again and again and again. Set it down. Hey, would you thank your senior pastor for being so buff? I am going to need the Eric Bowles towel pretty soon. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad your pastor is buff because this illustration would have fallen apart if not. Oh, my goodness. Here's the reality. Immaturity says, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. My daughter does this all the time. No, I can do it. I can do it. Okay, baby, I, I get that. But the shoe doesn't go on your nose. No, it's the voice of maturity that arrives at a point that says, I, I can't. And I, I need help. This is a step of vulnerability. This is reckless. This is scary. You've got to put yourself out there. But when you choose to love beyond yourself and invite another in, all of a sudden, what's funny is, is that load actually didn't become any lighter. But you got some help to carry that thing. And you can make it through. 
When you choose to love beyond yourself, loneliness loosens its grip. Love lightens the load. But finally this, when we love beyond ourselves, here's what can happen. You can laugh about the ledger. You can laugh about the ledger. Here's the truth for all of us. Keeping a record of wrongs is exhausting. Man, especially when you're trying to pick something up every single morning and carry it around. Keeping a record of wrongs will wear you out. Now, I have this friend. He's, uh, he's quite a few years older than me, and, and we grab lunch every single month. <clears throat> and this friend, like, he's been serving in ministry for a long, long time. He's quite a few years older than me, and, and he pastors a much smaller faith community. But I found that there is so much wisdom and so many things that I can glean from this man. And so we go every single month, we grab lunch at the same spot. And it's funny, every time we go there now, like the wait staff, they don't even come and ask the formality of like, is it together or separate? They, they, they just hand him the bill. Because they know that every single time, he's picking up the bill. And every time they hand him the, the, the check, I laugh. And I look at him and I go, I got the next one. And he looks at me and he laughs and he goes, no, you don't. Here's the truth. I, I, I want to act my age. My back is acting its age right now. But more than that, man, I want to get to a point where I can act his age, where I'm not so concerned with keeping score. Man, I, I want to arrive at a point in life where, where I'm not keeping a record of what is owed to me. Well, I'm not so obsessed with the wrongs that were committed against me. I, I want to get to a point where I'm not so fragile and irritable that I am torn to bits every single time another person says something that is hurtful about me. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to, to teach on the weekend and uh, got a, a comment card that came across my desk later on that week. And this comment card, the individual uh, gal had, had written her name and her phone number. Um, which for me activated the, the principle that I will read this card. This is a free PSA for you in case you're wondering about this. I, I have a rule. Most of our pastoral staff has this rule. In fact, pretty much every pastor I know has this rule. Uh, if you sign your name and put a phone number on that comment card, regardless of what you say, I'll read it. Because I, I want to hear what you have to say. If you don't put your name, you don't put your number on there, it's probably just going in the trash. Too much noise in the world right now. But, but if you take the time to write something out, put your name and number there, Read it. I want to hear what you have to say. This card came across my desk, and, and let me just read you some of the highlights. She said this. She said, when it comes to Garrett Warner, I don't like him. He makes me feel agitated and angry. Not only that, I quit coming to Life Center because Garrett is always preaching. She did go on to say this. Uh, she did say, I like Pastor Tyler solely. So I kind of feel like I did my job. This is a win. I endeared somebody to the senior pastor. Cool, good. But again, she, she put her name and her phone number on there. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give her a call. And so I read the card. I sat down. I had to kind of compose myself. Picked up the phone, called her. Said, hi, is this such and such? She goes, yeah, this is. I said, hey, it's Pastor Garrett. How are you? And she goes, I'm, well, I'm fine. How are you? And I said, you know, I'm doing. <laughs> I said, hey, listen, uh, I've got your card here. And uh, hey, I just wanted to say thanks for, for taking the time to, to fill that out. And more than just filling it out, thank you for, for putting your name and a contact number on there so that we could even have a dialogue. 
Because oftentimes this is an opportunity that, that, that most of us on pastoral staff, we don't even get afforded this opportunity to even have a conversation. And then I said this, this terrifying thing. This was reckless. Self-preservation, this was not a good move on my part. I said, I'm, I'm reading some of your comments here and uh, would you tell me more about that? Can I tell you that for the next 45 minutes, she and I had the most delightful conversation. We talked about how much Jesus meant to us personally, how much we loved him, how much we loved being part of this faith community. She's been part of this church family longer than I've been alive. We had a great talk, and by the end of it, she was going, you know, I, I didn't mean to be hurtful or, or rude. I'm just a very direct person. I just wanted to offer some constructive criticism. <laughs> kind of laughed. All right, well. I said this as, as we're getting off the phone. I said, hey, I want to pray for you in a second. But um, hey, next time you're with us in person, would you do this? Would you come in and say hi just so that I have a face with the name? She said, yeah, sure, I'll do that. So sure enough, a few weeks ago, she, she came rolling in, came up after the gathering and said, hey, it's me. I said, oh my gosh. I ran the other way. No. <laughs> you know, I gave her a big hug. And uh, man, can I, can I tell you that I just, I just want to get to a point where I can learn how to laugh off the little things and look for a way to love somebody like Jesus did. Yeah. This is not me bragging about my policy on connect cards. Please don't, don't think that. But this is an opportunity for you as much as it's an opportunity for me. Look, we, we have a choice. We have a decision to make here. We could be irritable and rude and justified in our position. Because what that person said or did, it was hurtful. It was wrong. Look, we could wander through life keeping a mental note of every microaggression and cutting remark that everybody has ever made. And in doing so, we create a dry lumber yard that somebody else has to navigate through one day. We have that choice to make. Or we can learn to laugh about it. Now, I'm not saying that you let people take advantage of you, but... But what would it look like for you to learn to turn the other cheek? What would it look like for you to say, yep, you know what, what, what they did? It was not very loving. But hey, with my response, I'm going to choose the better way. Children squabble about what's fair. Adults realize that life isn't. You can wear yourself out fighting for what you think is fair only to find out that there was so much more to the story than you ever knew to begin with. Or you can exercise faith that God is just. You could learn to demonstrate love that is patient and kind in the face of self-seeking, rude, childish behavior. Friend, if you're here today and you are worried about keeping a record of wrongs, can I lovingly remind you what the Lamb's Book of Life says about the ledger line that you and I have racked against us? Let me lift your spirit a little bit here. This should help you sit up a little bit straighter. When he thinks about you, he smiles. He doesn't think about the debt of your sin. He isn't concerned with reminding you about your record of wrongs. He just laughs. He laughs the way that old men do who act their age. And he says, yeah, they're pretty goofy. They've got some growing up to do, but, but they're kids. And more than that, they're my kids. And I love them dearly. And there ain't nothing that I wouldn't do to show them how much I love them. 
See, that's what the world needed then, and that's what the world needs now. It's love that looks beyond itself. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the great love that you have put on display in our lives. God, I pray that you would empower us to be expressions of that love to others whom we come in contact with. Lord, as we embark this week to set aside childish behaviors, Set aside these things that are impeding our ability to love beyond ourselves. God, would you give us the courage and strength to do it? Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every friend here within the sound of my voice today. God, empower them to be the person that you have purposed for them to be. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Life Center. Thank you.